Hello, everybody. Welcome to our third Get to Know Your Professors episode. In this episode, we're meeting with Dr. Philip Savage and Dr. Andrew Zidney. The main point of these podcasts is to help you get to know your professors a little better, so they seem less intimidating for you as you go through your chemi career. How do we know what professors to pick? We're hoping to get everyone multiple times, hopefully, but the first few will be the selection of the majority. The questions we asked are from a survey that we sent out before to the chemi population. So why don't we begin by introducing yourself, what, class have you, what classes you've taught in the past, and why you like Penn State. We'll start off with Dr. Savage. Yeah, sure. No, thanks. I uh, appreciate the opportunity to be here as well and, and share a bit with uh, the students. Um, so yeah, I'm um, Philip Savage, one of the professors here in the chemical engineering department, and I you know, currently have the privilege of serving as the head of the department. And I've taught a, well, probably almost every course in the curriculum over the course of my career, but the last, say, five years or so, I've uh, done Chemi 470, the process design class, a couple of times. I've taught Chemi 300 many times. I uh, did Chemi 210 a couple of years ago, and then a couple of graduate classes as well. Helped out with grad kinetics and a, a graduate colloquium. So I, I, I tend to you know, sort of p- pitch in and and, and fill in gaps in the teaching schedule since I've done many other courses in the past. Very cool, thank you. Dr. Zidney? Thank you, this is really a, a pleasure getting a chance to talk to the students. Uh, so my name is Andrew Zidney. I actually started as a faculty member back in 1985 at the University of Delaware and then moved to Penn State in 2002. Uh, Similar to Dr. Savage, I've taught almost all of the courses in the undergraduate curriculum over the course of a 35-year career, Um, but most recently I've been doing my teaching in Chemi 210 and some of the more biologically oriented uh, electives in the department, including bioseparations uh, and a course in drug delivery, pharmacokinetics, and artificial organs. Uh, I've also done a lot of teaching in the transport courses, uh, both heat transfer, mass transfer, and fluid mechanics over the course of my career. Very cool. Thank you so much for both of you being on here. So we'll start off with our questions. The first one we have today is, why did you choose to pursue your PhD? Well, we'll start off with Dr. Zidney. Uh, so when I finished as an undergrad, I was pretty confident that I wanted to go on for some type of advanced degree. Um, but I was actually deciding between a medical degree and going on for a PhD in chemical engineering. Uh, and I took the MCATs, I applied to medical schools. I also, of course, uh, took the GREs and applied to graduate schools in chemical engineering. Uh, But when I visited medical schools, I would come away saying, I would love to have a medical degree and I would be absolutely miserable uh, for four years of medical school. And whenever I visited one of the graduate programs in chemical engineering, I just came away saying, wow, they're doing such exciting research in so many different areas uh, that ultimately uh, the choice was pretty easy and I ended up going on for a PhD. That's awesome, thank you. And Dr. Savage? Yeah, so my, my story is a little different in that, but also, also similar in some way. So when I finished as an undergrad and I got my degree here at Penn State, I, I knew there were things I didn't know 
and that bothered me. Like in, in the classes, the instructors would sometimes assume away some complications to make the problems ones that we could solve um, easily. And again, back in those days, we didn't have the computer tools that students today have. And so, so I knew there were these things that I wasn't being told about that I wanted to learn more about. And so you know, my initial plan was to go to grad school, uh, learn about these things, take some grad level coursework, get a master's, and you know, then, then move on from there. I um, met my wife at Penn State. We were both students here, got engaged our senior year, and the grand plan was I was going to get a master's degree for a year. Uh, she was going to start her career, and then we sort of figure out next steps, you know, a year down the road after we got married. So it turns out I went to the University of Delaware for grad school, and in fact, arrived there, well, I actually graduated there maybe a year or less from when you know, Andrew arrived there as a new faculty member. So we, we overlapped for a small amount of time. And I went into their master's program, took the coursework um, and, and found that, that I actually liked it, right? And I liked the, the grad school environment, the, the, you know, the, the inquiry that was going on, some of the research opportunities. So, so again, the fast forward, ended up staying for a PhD, even though it wasn't the original plan. And um, happy to say lived, lived happily ever after. So, so it was a, a good call and a good decision. That's really good to hear. So the next question is, what are some hobbies you enjoy doing outside of teaching? We'll start off with Dr. Savage. Yeah, sure, sure. So I've, I've always liked sports. I'm not real good at any, but certainly enjoy uh, participating and watching as well. And so, you know, I, I try to get out and, and go jogging and I've done some you know, occasional races as well. Again, the, the goal of not winning, but just sort of doing it right and finishing. Um, I like to play softball in the summer. I've um, been playing on our, our church league softball team uh, here in State College and enjoying that. And, and, you know, Elaine, my wife and I enjoy getting into the state forests around here, going off for, for hikes and things like that. I guess one other thing we do with, with our time is we're uh, both active in the, the ministries of our church. And so we're engaged there and you know, working with different groups from, you know, children's ministries, um, college students, um, women's ministries, and so on. So that's another thing that we're passionate for and invest time in. You have a wide variety of activities you got mm -hmm. there. Uh, Dr. Zidney? So uh, I, I'm also a big uh, sports fan. I, I've always enjoyed uh, uh, college football, professional football, basketball. And so uh, particularly during this pandemic, I, I, I watch a lot of sports now on, on television. Uh, I do participate some, not as much as I used to. Uh, I used to uh, play tennis and golf all the time. Mm -hmm. Now those are a little bit less frequent, uh, but I still enjoy sports very much. Uh, I also find it, it very relaxing to, to do gardening around the house. And so uh, I, I'm usually the one who's uh, planting uh, uh, vegetables and flowers and, and doing all the weeding in our, in our yard. That's good. You get some good outside work going. So our next question is, um, what is your most favorite thing about being a professor? Start off with Dr. Zidney. Uh, so, so I'm going to give you two, uh, although I know it only asks for one. Uh, you know, the, the, the two are, are first, uh, uh, the tremendous freedom and flexibility that comes with being a faculty member. It, it's, it, it's wonderful that, you know, 
I get to choose what I want to do research on. I get to choose how I teach in my classes, how many exams I want to give, how I run my lectures. It's, it's, uh, there's an enormous amount of freedom that goes with a faculty position uh, that, that's almost uh, unique among jobs that you can get. Um, but the second is I, I truly enjoy working with students, whether it's undergraduates or, or graduates, uh, that they help keep me young and energized and, and it's very much uh, the, a favorite part of the job of being a faculty member. That's awesome. Dr. Savage? Yeah, so I'll, I'll go with two as well since we're allowed to do that now. <laughs> and, and, and one of mine overlaps and it's, it's students. You know, and, and you know, Dr. Zidney mentioned just sort of, you know, keeps you young and there's energy and, and there's a lot to that, right? So I, I, I can still sort of deceive myself to, to think I'm still back in my student days because everybody I interact with at, at work is, you know, these, these bright, energetic, enthusiastic, um, you know, students. And, and so again, that, that is energizing and life-giving. I really like that. Um, another thing that I like about the, the job of a professor is you know just you know, living in this area you know, we get all four seasons there's sort of a rhythm to that you know the academic life has a rhythm to it as well you know you start a semester you end a semester you start another one and you end it and then there's a summer break and just having those different seasons in terms of you know the types of work we do and and so on I think is, is very you know refreshing and it's nice to have that sort of variability but at the same time some predictability I agree. That's a very good um, reason about also for me being in school too. I like to have that summer break as well. And I'm not working all the time. Um, so follow up to that is what's your least favorite thing about being a professor? Uh, we'll start off with Dr. Savage. His um, favorite. What, I, what first came to mind was grading. <laughs> I, I, I don't mind writing exams or homework sets. In fact, sometimes it's kind of fun to come up with good problems and, and have ones that will, you know, challenge students and apply things in new ways. But, but I, I take very little joy out of grading and figuring out how many points I take off for different things and then assigning letter grades at the end. If I could get rid of that, that would make the job even better. <laughs> I would also appreciate that, you know, no <laughs> grades. <laughs> and, and and I, and I will I will completely second Dr. Savage on that. I, I know of very few faculty, myself included, who who enjoy grading. It's it's uh, it's it's just not an enjoyable part of the job. And, and as much as sometimes students, I think, assume that we enjoy failing uh, students, it, it's never true. It, it's never true. And, and it's, it's always done uh, with a tremendous amount of agonizing as to whether that's really the appropriate thing to do. Um, I'll add one more. Uh, over the course of my career, uh, the paperwork and bureaucracy associated with being a faculty member has skyrocketed. It, it, the university, uh, often in response to changes within the federal agencies, requires documentation and, and paperwork on so many things, and it is a huge waste of, of what I consider to be valuable time, <laughs> but it's, it's become more and more uh, a part of the job, and it's, it's certainly one that I do not enjoy. That's understandable. All right, so we'll go on to our next question. So 
As former and present department heads, what do you think has been the biggest growth for Kemi? And you can discuss this through just like the department at Penn State or just Kemi overall as well as what you've seen throughout your years. Uh, we'll start off with Dr. Zidney first. So, you know, if, if, if you look at, at what goes on within the department, whether it's at Penn State or, or elsewhere, uh, to me, the, the biggest thing that has driven changes, and a lot of that has also been growth, uh, has been the incorporation of, of the biological sciences within chemical engineering. Um, when I got started as a faculty member or even as a graduate student, uh, there were many, many departments that had no faculty at all who were doing research in the life sciences. Uh, and that has changed dramatically. Now, if you look, most departments, it, it's close to a third of their faculty are pretty actively involved uh, in the biological side of, of chemical engineering. Um, that probably has not translated into job opportunities at that level for our undergraduates when they um, finish up their bachelor's degrees, but, but certainly within the department, uh, both at Penn State and elsewhere, it's, it's been a major source, source of growth. That's really cool to hear. And Dr. Savage? Yeah, so, so growth locally, like with our department, has certainly taken place. And um, both when Dr. Zidney was department head and during my time as well. I mean, we've seen growth in our number of graduate students, um, explosive growth in undergrad population, although that's starting to come down a little bit now. Uh, certainly growth in number of professors that we have and um, the you know, amount of research that's being done. And so, so it's been on a very healthy um, growth curve in, in that regard. If I, if I think about the profession more broadly, though, I think what we've seen is just a greater, greater opportunities for chemical engineers to contribute to some of the pressing problems of our time. You know, Dr. Zidney mentioned sort of the biological space and life science related things, uh, but, but things from, um, you know, just sustainable production of food, sustainable agriculture. You might not think there's chemical engineering contributions there, but there are. Same thing with, you know, providing, you know, clean water, um, you know, renewable energy, uh, figuring out what to do with plastics pollution. So there's a lot of you know, just sort of sustainability and environmental issues and, and meeting basic needs of people where chemical engineers have important roles to play. And that's being recognized by, you know, both sponsors of research and by you know, faculty members who are you know, pivoting their research to try to tackle some of these pressing problems. That's very cool. Yeah, both of you have both acknowledged like an, I, an, both two different aspects of where chemies have become more relevant and prevalent in not just what used to be. And so that's really mm -hmm. cool to hear that growth. Uh, so our next question is, both of you had some experience with the University of Delaware. So how would you compare it to Penn State? We'll start off with Dr. Savage. Yeah, no, that's a, a good question. I've already mentioned that, you know, Dr. Zidney and I both, you know, overlapped there for a brief period of time. And, and he spent far more time there than I did. I was there for just four years for grad school. And, so I'm sure we'll have more to say. And also my experience there was as a graduate student and my sort of routine was such that I'd you know, drive to campus, walk across the street, go into the lab, you know, do my work, get in my car and drive home. Right? So, I, so I didn't do a whole lot on campus. You know, sort of life as a grad student can sometimes be different than it is as an undergrad. Um, but 
But rather than talk about the campus, what, what I'll comment on in terms of one of the things I appreciated there was just the, the community I found with the other grad students. Um, you know, I mentioned being a sort of a frustrated athlete earlier. I'm always like participating in things. And, and so there'd be a, a group of us that would get together every Saturday morning in the fall for football games and a, a field across from the lab. Um, there was a group of us who would go up to the gym and go running every, every day at, at noon. You would do intramural softball, occasional golf outings, things like that. So th those are some of the fond memories I have of, of time there as a, as a student. And, you know, I just didn't, didn't spend a lot of time exploring much of the rest of the campus because you know, I was more and more focused on you know, what I was there for, which was the, you know, the studies and the research and, and earning my degree. Gotcha. I mean, that's always a very good experience, though, getting through all that for your master's and stuff. How about you, Dr. Zidney? So uh, as Dr. Savage mentioned, I had a very different experience since I was on the faculty at, at both universities. Um, <clears throat> Delaware is somewhat unique in <clears throat> the role of chemical engineering on that campus. Uh, the chemical engineering department there, uh, in large part because of ties historically to the DuPont company, has always been the star, or at least one of the stars. It was the premier research program at the University of Delaware. And we unquestionably had the best students at the University of Delaware, uh, both at the undergraduate as well as, as the graduate level. Um, the chemi department, including the chemi faculty, therefore had a, a sort of an outsized role at the university in terms of administration, uh, uh, leadership positions within the university. It, it was, uh, as I say, a unique situation, and, and it, it at times created a, a, a sense of superiority within the department that wasn't always very good, or at least a, a positive, but it, but it was real. Um, that's very different at Penn State. Uh, you know, Kemi is, is a great department, but we have equivalently great departments in almost all of the engineering disciplines. In fact, I would say, you know, all of our colleagues in, in throughout the college have really, really strong departments. And, and that, that just wasn't true at, at Delaware. And so it creates here uh, a much more collaborative environment with other units on campus in, in a way that, that simply did not exist at Delaware. Um, you know, from the student perspective, students at Delaware considered themselves chemical engineers first. And they were studying at the University of Delaware because it had a great chemical engineering department. You know, most students at Penn State are, are Penn Staters, that they get involved in THON and the football games and, and, you know, all kinds of things on campus. And they happen to be studying chemical engineering while they're here, which is a very, very different attitude than often uh, permeated the undergraduate population at, at Delaware versus, versus Penn State. I hope that makes sense, but it, it, it is a real difference. I mean, I think it does make sense. It's very interesting to hear how like the, the difference between the attitudes of students there, because I know I myself, I don't consider myself as a chemi major first. I'm just like, I'm at Penn State, I'm studying chemical engineering, but I also love going and doing Don and going to the football games and stuff. So yeah, and, and I completely I say, agree. 
that was a different attitude at Delaware. You know, the, the students there, um, they, they often viewed themselves as chemical engineers. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I could ever imagine myself doing that. I'd be like, just I'm only a chemical engineer. I don't think that would that would suit me very well. <laughs> Uh, so your, a follow-up question, I think Dr. Savage kind of hit on this a little bit as well, but what is your favorite thing about each campus? So we can start off with Dr. Zidney. I, you know, I, I will say that they are both beautiful campuses. Uh, I, I always enjoyed walking across the campus at Delaware, and, and I, feel, I feel similarly at Penn State. I, I think both universities have done a great job uh, of keeping the campus up and, and, and is just beautiful places uh, to be. Um, you know, in, in terms of the universities, I, I, I think here at Penn State, um, it may well be our alumni that are some of what makes us unique. We, we Delaware had great alums, but but it's nothing compared to what Penn State alumni are like and their willingness uh, to reach out, to give back to the department, to try to stay engaged. Uh, in fact, it, the, the hardest part is often uh, trying to channel that energy because there's so many of them who want to give back as opposed to having to continually reach out and, and uh, find alumni who are, are willing to be engaged. Uh, in, in terms of Delaware, uh, to me, but, you know, part of what my favorite aspect was uh, that, that we were located in the heart of the chemical industry. You know, DuPont was right nearby, but there were other major chemical plants. And so we would have interactions with the people who work there. Uh, many of them taught uh, uh, courses on a, a regular basis in our department uh, as electives that they did in the evenings. Um, we would have, you know, really strong interactions with the industry uh, that took advantage of the geographic proximity that is hard uh, when you're in the middle of, of Pennsylvania. That's interesting to hear about. Dr. Savage? Yeah, so I'll, I'll echo some of those remarks. I mean, both campuses are, are very beautiful and lovely. And I think Penn State in particular does a great job with just the landscaping and the, the maintenance. <clears throat> and you know, for, for all seasons, the, the campus always looks nice. There's new things being planted and so on. And um, you know, a difference, of course, would be just scale. I mean, Penn State is a much larger campus and, and you know, you just take the University Park campus, you know, from one end to the other is, I don't even know how far it is, a mile and a half, maybe more, right? So it's just a, a huge, huge amount of space to, to roam around in. Um, and, and I'll, I guess, maybe build off of another comment from Dr. Zidney about location. And you know, obviously here in State College, you know, it's a, a rural area. State College is the big town. You know, you go outside this, you have, you know, smaller communities. And, and so it has a very uh, a different feel. I mean, I, I love it. I, I enjoy living here. It's just a different feel than, than at, at Delaware. It was more of a, I guess I call it a suburban campus, right? You work far from larger cities and there's Wilmington, Delaware, which is the nearest and it's not all that large, but, you know, less than an hour from Philadelphia or Baltimore and Washington, D.C. was a short drive as well. And so just you know, more, more access to things that come with cities there than there is here. You know, here there's more access to, you know, wilderness and, and forests and, and, and just beautiful settings like that as well. So those are some of the trade-offs. 
I, I will just to follow up on that as, as a faculty member, um, you know, one of the things that we would always tell faculty when we were trying to recruit them to Delaware <clears throat> was if they wanted to go see a Broadway show, they could just drive up to Philadelphia. The reality was as a faculty member, um, I was way too busy to do that drive. <laughs> Um, by fighting the traffic on 95, getting parking in Philadelphia. You know, it was a five-hour effort to do that. In fact, here, um, we have almost a, a, an equivalent number of, of, you know, musical, cultural, you know, uh, type events. Um, but there are at Eisenhower Auditorium, and I can literally leave my office in the chemical and biomedical engineering building and be in my seat at the theater in no more than five minutes. And, and so <laughs> although, you know, the cities are, are much, much closer to uh, the university, um, uh, there's so much that goes on on the Penn State campus that is so easy to take advantage of uh, that, that, that we sometimes, you know, uh, forget what, what, a, what an incredible situation is that we can have touring companies of the Russian ballet or Chinese acrobats, you know, who are literally <laughs> less than a five minute, you know, time from, from going from my office to, to being in the seat. Yeah, that was just going to be one of my follow-up questions was, do you think that, you know, the difference in the two campuses, there's also, that leads to a difference between the student life and how students uh, interact with different things going on in campus. We can start off with Dr. Zanier. Yeah, I, so I, I would say that that State College is a much better college town than, than Newark, Delaware was. That there's there's just so much more in the way of restaurants and and you know places to live and choices like that than uh, than existed in Delaware. I, I I do think you're right that. Um, it was much more common for students at Delaware um, on a weekend to, to go for a drive to Philadelphia and spend right. time there, uh, whereas most students at Penn State, um, you're, you're at Penn State, you know, when you're here for the academic semester. It's, it's, it's not that you can't get in a megabus and go to New York City, but, but it doesn't happen very free, frequently <laughs> for most of our students. Uh, and so they're always looking for, for things to do locally. Um, and, and Delaware, I, I don't think, was, was quite the same. That's understandable. Dr. Yeah. Savage? Another difference too, in terms of like the student experience and what happens on and around campus, is just the the, the difference in athletics, right? So so Penn State, we're we're big time, you know, Big Ten, you know, ideally contending for championships in multiple sports and winning them once in a while, and and have marquee players, and and so you know, football, basketball, ice hockey, whatever you go through the list of sports, that's that's a big deal here, right? It's a big part of the the student experience for most students. Um, at Delaware, I think not so much. Yep. You know, they, 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 they think certainly have all those things, but it's just not the same, not the part of the culture to, to the same extent, right? And so I think that's then sort of shapes what the students do as well. If that's not there, then what else do you do? You find, find other things. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Penn State football is like religion over here, so. <laughs> and, 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 you know, here... Um, you know, I know students who never attend the football games, but they still go to tailgates. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. Right. Happen at Delaware. You know, 
there were, there were many students who didn't go to the football games, but, but if they didn't go to the football games, they just didn't go, you know, it just, they, they just ignored football entirely. Um, you know, it, it's just not, it, you, you can't even compare those experiences in, in terms of what it's like, but both in, in terms of being in Beaver Stadium, but also all of the people who are around the stadium. It, it just didn't exist at a school like, like Delaware. Gotcha. Well, that was very insightful on both Penn State and Delaware, just to hear the differences. I know there's quite a few number of students who are even looking to go to Delaware for grad school, so um, they'd probably definitely appreciate hearing all of that. Um, and I will sorry. say, I, I, I always recommend Delaware highly. You know, I, I had a great experience there. If it's a good fit, it, it, is, it is an outstanding place to, to go to school. Awesome. So our next question, this is more off topic, more of a fun question. But if you were told you're going to have your last meal forever, what would it be? So we start off with Dr. Savage. Uh, last meal forever. That, that's a dreadful thought. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I guess growing, growing up, I, I grew up in Western Pennsylvania, a little bit North of Pittsburgh. Um, and uh, sort of the, our, our normal foods, sort of like what we call comfort food now. So like meat and potatoes and things like that. And so that's what I grew up with and, and liked a lot. And I remember as a, a child, we each, for our birthday, we got to pick our birthday dinner, right? We got to decide what everybody had. And, and my go-to was macaroni and cheese. <laughs> and, and that's maybe a, a, good, a good childhood taste, but I'll, I'll be honest and say, I still like macaroni and cheese. It's still one of my favorites. Um, at the, at the same time though, um, and again, as a result of having this, this job as a faculty member, I've been able to you know, literally travel the world and try you know, foods in, in different places. And, and through those experiences, I've really developed a, a fondness and a taste for a lot of, of Asian cuisines. And so I you know, made several trips to Japan and loved you know, eating my way through you know, the Kyoto and Tokyo and, and Sendai and other cities there. And, I've uh, spent some time in, in Thailand, in China, and in India, and, and invariably come back from those trips just, just you know, Im impressed with uh, the, the, the foods and the flavors and the presentations and, and disappointed that it's, it's really hard to replicate that here. <laughs> I agree with that. I, I'm also a big fan of Asian foods, so we can't get the same thing here as you do back in the actual countries. Do you have a favorite place for your mac and cheese? Oh, I make my own. You make your own. Oh, yeah. so you got you have a whole special recipe. Well, I don't know if it's special, but it works. <laughs> gotcha, Doctor Zidney. So I, I I I do enjoy those comfort foods as well. I'm I'm a big pasta fan also. Uh, but but if it was it was if it was my last meal, uh, I, I'd probably go for 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 a big lobster that I could savor and, and work my way through very slowly. I, I was a grad student up in Boston for four and a half years and, and uh, getting Maine lobsters in, in season in Boston or, or driving up the coast to, to Maine was, uh, was always just, just really special and, and still, still something I really enjoy. That sounds very appetizing. So our last question for today, um, this one is like, uh, I guess it's very relevant, especially since we're in a pandemic, you know, things going virtual and stuff there's a lot of difficulties. So 
Uh, what is one piece of advice? I guess you can have more than one if you have more than one as well. Um, but advice that you would give to a student graduating this semester. Uh, we can start off with Dr. Zidney. You know, if, if I had to give a piece of advice for, for this semester, it, it would be to be patient. Uh, I, I know, you know, after four or some cases more years of undergraduate study, uh, you know, there's, there's this push to want to find the, the perfect job in the perfect place. And, and the reality right now, given the challenges of the pandemic, is um, this is tough. There are, there are companies who are not hiring at the levels that they were hiring, uh, that are, you know, doing things differently because of the challenges associated with onboarding uh, new employees and things like that. Uh, it will get better. And so uh, just be patient. You know, if it means taking a job that's not quite what you wanted, but at least is 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 a first job. You know, you'll have opportunities to move or or to reevaluate, and and so, um, you know, I, I think it, it's always important to to be patient. But but this year more so than ever, uh, I, I think there's just a need to to take things in stride, uh, to try not to get frustrated when you know, maybe the company that you really wanted to work for is not hiring this year and, and um, be patient and let things happen and, and just, just try to stay optimistic and positive um, because, because it, will, it will get better and, and people will be back hiring and those opportunities will exist. It just may not be this May if, if this is when you graduate. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely really good advice. Dr. Savage? Yeah, so I'll go maybe longer term and also share advice that I, I tell myself as well. And, and that is to be, be willing to take risks and be willing to fail, right? It's, it's easy, at least for me, you know, once you, you know, do something and get good at something, it's easy to sort of stay in that comfortable rut and keep doing it over and over and over and, and you know you can do it and it's all going to be fine. Um, but that doesn't lead to personal growth, that doesn't lead to professional growth, that doesn't lead to, you know, reaching one's full potential. And so having a willingness to, you know, risk failing and sort of embracing failure as, as not a bad thing. And again, you know, I guess I'm not talking about, you know, failing lots of classes or anything like that, but I mean, just sort of, sort of skill development, right? And, and you know, taking on something new, um, it's sort of part of just, you know, lifelong learning as well. Right. Start off with something maybe we're not good at and don't really fully understand or know how to do, but you know, interested in trying to develop that skill. You know, the way you learn is by failing and, and ultimately one, one then succeeds. So, you know, being, being open to that, uh, looking for opportunities to learn new skills and recognizing that nobody's an expert on their first attempt. Definitely. Yeah, that's both really good advice for even for now. I mean, I know I'll take it as a sophomore too. just especially as I'm going through my different things. Well, that's all we had for today. Uh, thank you both so much for coming um, on today. I know I appreciate it as well as the rest of the student body will appreciate getting to know both of you a little bit more outside of the academic era. So thank you so much for coming. Oh, on. you're quite welcome. It's been a, a pleasure and thanks for hosting. It's been a great conversation. You're very welcome. And, and I, I feel exactly the same and, and, uh, be happy to do it again if there are other topics that, that, that the students would like to hear about.